Welcome to the Women Wives Warriors podcast, where we spill the tea and clean it up. From infertility to infidelity, from breaking glass ceilings to mm, uncomfortable waiting seasons, from pop culture to Jesus culture, honey, we tackle it all. So hopefully you're here on purpose, but if not, God makes no mistakes. So get ready to eavesdrop on conversations with celebrities and local heroes as we get intimate about the superpowers they've discovered and the innate champion within every woman. Let's go. Hey Warriors, I'm your host Dacia James Lewis And when I tell you I am so full after this episode My God I had the chance to sit down with actress, writer, producer And egg advocate Kelly Stewart And yes, I said egg advocate Because sis is on a mission of dismantling the stigmas Associated with infertility and egg freezing So in this episode, Kelly gets real and raw about wasting seven years of her life in a situation that she knew was not it. Lord have mercy. How many of us are guilty of staying with old dude knowing dang on well, God said he ain't it. Yo, I was definitely guilty of this back in my heyday. Okay. But thank God for deliverance. So I need you to lean in on this one, sis, because Kelly is dropping mad nuggets on minding our uterus and waiting on purpose. Kelly Stewart on the line today. Kelly, what's up, girl? What's happening, my sister? I love you. Let me just start off before you say one more word, before you ask me one question. Let me just tell you, I am obsessed with you. I love the book. I love your language. I love everything you say, everything you do, and how you are in this community, just changing lives every single day. Thank you. I am honored. I am honored to be talking to you today, girl. Listen, listen. Uh, the sentiments are likewise, and you know this. Um, you know this. <laughs> and I love that it's, I mean, two Black girls on a mission, right? Ooh. Um, and I think the mission is important. So let's hop right in on that one. Okay. Let's just go ahead and hop right on in. So besides your work as an actor, okay. What I think our listeners need to know more about is your work as an egg advocator. Like, let's talk about what that is. Where did it stem from? And how did you become this advocate in this space of fertility? Cause you know, I like to call it infertility, lowercase I-N, because it's a journey. We ain't calling it a negative thing. Okay. So talk to me about that. Well, you know what? I am so glad to be in fertility. And the reason that it happened was quite honestly, I always wanted to be a mother, but I just thought I was going to cross the fertility bridge whenever I came to it, you know, Mm -hmm. and I was in a seven year relationship when that relationship went bust. I realized I was 37 years old and I gave away my best baby making years to the wrong situation and that I had no clue where my fertility stood. You know, it was one of those relationships where after year two, I knew I really shouldn't go the distance with this person, Mm -hmm. but I stuck it out for five more years thinking I could change something, but not realizing that not only was I giving him my support and maybe we should go to therapy and bop, 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 but that I was giving away my biology. Listen, listen, girl, nobody told me that nobody told me that. And when you think about it that way, when you're like, these are my best baby making years and I'm putting up with something that is not God's best for me. When I realized that I ran to the fertility clinic and I remember praying and saying, God, I feel like you're telling me to freeze my eggs. If this is you, it will go smoothly. So we broke up on a Sunday. I want to be clear. On a Monday, I called my OBGYN for a referral. I didn't have time to cry over the breakup. I was like, I need a referral for fertility clinic, please. And then I called the clinic and by that Tuesday or Wednesday, there was a fertility doctor in between the gap of my thighs, taking my blood and showing me follicles on the screen. I wasted no time. And when I found out that I was a candidate to freeze my eggs, Mm -hmm. I made the decision in that moment. Now to your question, how did I become an egg advocator and an egg advocate? Well, some years went by, I froze 29 eggs and Mm -hmm. some years went by and the relationship hadn't shown up yet. And I panicked. 
you know, I was like, wait a minute, God, now we done talked about this. Now, why are we five years later and it's still not going down? <laughs> and, you know, when you go to the grocery store and you buy a carton of eggs, there's a sell by date. So I'm thinking, is there a fertilized by date? Like, did I miss it? Is that a question I didn't ask? Right. Look. So I have a full on panic attack, like tears, Ah. screaming. Oh, my God. Now I'm five years later. And I called the fertility specialist. They put me on the phone with the embryologist who put my mind at ease with the science and all of those things. But says something to me that said a lot of women call here panicking. That was it. Mm. There was something about that sentence. Why are women brought to a panic moment before we know anything about our reproductive health, before we know our ovarian reserve, our AMH levels, levels, our FSH levels? Why are we brought to a panic moment Mm -hmm. when it comes to our fertility, when there are tests available for us to understand what's going on? far before panic ever sets in. And that's when I knew I needed to do something about it. You know, one of the things that I've learned in the research, and I just did this this project on endometriosis and Reedy Terrial, who is the the, uh, inventor of the smart tampon, which is this tampon that they are, uh, what their hopes for the tampon is for it to be able to catch things like endometriosis and cervical cancer and ovarian cancer, like a natural biopsy from just wearing a tampon, right? Isn't that phenomenal? Wow. Phenomenal. This is in development um, right now. And when I was talking to her, we were talking about how for a woman, like this whole this whole invention she created started from her going to the doctor and wanting to know her ovarian reserve. And they told her because she was not actively trying to conceive that they could not relinquish that test to her, but they had no idea she was a Harvard research. So she had taken what, what they had told her was impossible to do. And she was like, well, this doesn't even sound right. I should be in control of my reproductive health. I should know this information so that I can determine when I want to have kids. Like, let me know the information. So I do think that we are also in this position to where uh, our people perish for a lack of knowledge. The knowledge is not being transferred to us as females. Even if you go back to biology class, right? We don't get the information that we need. And I think just like her, what started off initially as her being inquisitive about her fertility became this bigger thing where she's now in, in, in works of creating something that's going to give women the power of their own reproductive health down to diseases that you can have. Because one of the things that she said was, and I want you to talk about this, we tend to run to the doctors when we can't conceive. But she says there's underlying issues that cause infertility that we're not running to the doctors for. Like if you can't get out of bed, if you have headaches, if you have blood clots dropping like golf balls, something is wrong. Let's talk about us just not getting that knowledge. And like you were proactive. Many people Mm -hmm. are not proactive. Mm -hmm. You know, and many people are not proactive, but I have to say that I had to get to a place where I didn't shame myself for not doing this sooner, not being proactive or understanding what's going on. Because the reality is we are taught sex education, but we are not taught reproductive education. So we are not taught about fibroids, which is probably what you were talking about, about having golf balls coming out of you of clots. We're not taught PCOS. Mm -hmm. polycystic ovarian syndrome. We're not taught even about endometriosis because as of right now, endometriosis can only be diagnosed through exploratory surgery. Surgery. And so there's, you know, there's all of these things, blocked fallopian tubes that we don't talk about because we are not taught reproductive health. So a lot of things need to happen. Our education system needs to include reproductive health. And we got to be very, very vocal about it. And we have to do it from the educators, but also inside of our own homes, because here's the reality. We have a myth, especially in the black community, that black women are fertile. 
Mm-hmm. And it goes all the way back to the times of enslaved Africans when J. Marion Sims, who in this country is deemed the father of gynecology, was doing experiments on enslaved African women without anesthesia. Mm. So that's who this country calls the father of gynecology. So that's the beginning of health, but not care for mm. Black people in this country. Okay, black women specifically about our reproductive systems. Say la, say la, say la, say la. Okay, and there is a myth because enslaved African women were thought of as breeders because they were bringing more people to enslave and work. There's a myth that goes like hundreds of years that black women are fertile. And guess what? We are likely to be three times less fertile sometimes than our white counterpart because of some of the things that you say, these underlining conditions that affect us at a much higher rate. And so we need to talk about that in our families, because if auntie or cousin JJ or cousin Nina had fibroids, but she didn't tell the little ones that are coming up, then how are we even in our own homes helping the situation? Because we're suffering in silence. You know, my mom had a hysterectomy, but she never sat down with me as a young girl and told me what that was about and why it happened and what to look out for. Not because she's not thinking of of me and not because she doesn't love me, but because in that moment, we don't actually think it's going to happen to the one that's coming after us. In that moment, we're just trying to heal and go on with the next thing. So it has to start at our kitchen table. What, let's talk about eliminating the shame of it all, including yes. infertility. How is it that you feel that we as a community can continue to break the stigmas and to eliminate the shame? Is it just conversation? Like, what else can we do? Well, there's there's a lot to do. One of the things to, to note is that the CDC only requires, the only medical practice that's, that has to report its success rate to the CDC is fertility clinics the only medical practice. So by calling infertility a disease, it kind of gets away with not pointing out the underlying conditions and really informing women about it. Because as long as they get to report the success rate and get more funding for things, you see what I'm saying? Then the underlying things that even got us there to begin with get swept under the rug. So we have to be really clear about our legislation and our advocacy um, about reproductive health. So there's a lot that we can do. The first thing is, well, first of all, what you're doing, what you're doing by creating a platform to have these conversations is absolutely 100% without a doubt freeing somebody. Somebody doesn't know that they have fibroids or they have PCOS and they're hearing this conversation and saying, oh, wait, these symptoms, my hair is thinning or I'm gaining weight and I'm dieting, but it's not working, or I have blood clots coming out, that's already freeing somebody. So we need to continue to speak up and speak out about it on a daily basis. The other things that we need to do is, for instance, egg preservation. I froze my eggs or even IVF is not often covered by insurance. People need to go to their employers, people with ovaries and people with sperm need to go to their employers because it cannot just be on us you know, and need to say, do you have healthcare coverage for preserving fertility or IVF treatments? And if the answer is no, ask them why not. We have to start holding our employers accountable because there are some companies that are now offering it, but we have to start holding them accountable Mm -hmm. for the coverage that we need. And also, If a woman does not want to have a baby, because society puts a lot of pressure on women to have children, not all women want that. Just because you have a womb or if you have a womb doesn't mean you want to fill it with a baby, but you might want to fill it with healthcare coverage. So this, you know what I'm saying? So this is not just about fertility and um, making sure we are covered when we want to have a baby, but it's also about all of the underlying conditions that someone with ovaries or somebody with a womb can incur that are not currently covered by healthcare coverage. So we got to write letters to Congress. We have to 
Um, we have to get involved in these fertility streets, as I call them, and, and really speak up with our employers and talk to our friends yeah. and talk to our, our peers about I, what's going on in our body. Yeah, I just literally, prior to uh, recording this episode, got off the phone with a friend who, after this research and this solutions journalism project on next-gen Jane and endometriosis, called her up and was like, sis, uh, can you tell your doctor to check for endometriosis? Because from the research, you might have this. I was in the store or somewhere I went to the restroom and the employer was telling, I mean, the employee was telling another employee that she had to leave. Her mama was picking her up because she had to faint. Her stomach was hurting. She's like, and every time my cycle comes, it's like this big episode. Listen, while washing my hands, I said, Mm -hmm. hey, sis, tell your doctor to check you for endometriosis. Okay. Because Mm -hmm. you might have it and you might not know that you have, because she was saying, oh, my mama, the same thing uh, happened to my mom. She just called it heavy periods. I was like, heavy is relative. How do you gauge what's heavy? If you bleed through the mattress and your mama bleeding through the mattress, something is wrong. Something's very wrong. And the reality is we normalize heavy periods. We normalize painful periods and they are not normal. And so we just kind of brush it off. Oh, that's just her period. She has bad periods. What people need to realize is that your menstrual cycle is a vital sign. The same way taking your oxygen level, your heart rate, it is a vital sign. When you think of it that way, you look at it as an indicator. So even the color of the blood is part of a vital sign. That is so good. It's very, very true. So if you are skipping periods and you only get your period every three months or so, that vital sign is not showing up for three months. That's an indicator that there is something else going on in your body because it should be there. If it's lasting 15 days and you're bleeding through the mattress, like you said, that's an indicator of fibroids or endometriosis. So our period is our friend. It talks to us. Mm. It is not something to just brush off. Oh, I can't stand this thing. No, uh-uh. every time it comes, ask it what it got to say. Because <laughs> if it, it's the truth, because what you got is, to say, sis, listen, there's nothing like the power of a vagina, right? And if, if it brings life, it's also going to tell you if there's something in your life that needs your attention. So it good. is there on a schedule for a reason. If it misses that schedule or if it's heavy, if it's painful, if you got to stay home from work or school, there's a problem. You shouldn't have to suffer through your menstrual cycle. Yeah. There is a problem if you do that needs to be addressed and you can get help. Right. Listen, that is so good. Is It's a vital sign. I love that perception of it that really puts it in a different light. And just like you would pay attention if something happened with your heart, you need to pay attention to what's happening there as well. Um, So good. Thank you for sharing that. Okay, here we go. Let me ask you this. As an advocate, even, even for me sometimes in this particular journey to fertility, it can be a lot. Like, Ooh. how do you manage? Do you ever have days where you just don't feel like encouraging, where you just don't feel like doing a warrior Wednesday? I find like sometimes like when I'm in a waiting season, so we go get into, cause I really want to get into this relationship that you was talking about. Cause I, I do think some people need to let some people go, but, um, <laughs> we gonna happen to that just a little bit, uh, you know, on the other side of this, but I do as a human being, as a person that has feelings that has discouragements, uh, disappointing moments. Is there ever a time where you just tire? You know, just tired. Yeah. Yeah, Exhausted. Mm -hmm. And let me tell you, it's one of the reasons that I sometimes pause Warrior Wednesdays because, you know, everybody talks about making sure you're consistent with your content and that's the only way to grow your audience. I'm not doing Warrior Wednesdays for the purposes of being able to monetize my content. Mm -hmm. I do Warrior Wednesdays to talk to women and men because my proudest episode is actually three Black men talking about their journeys through infertility. That's the proudest one that I had. It was a two-hour episode. Fire. Fire. Listen, the tears that I cried and the way that we praise God on that episode and them praying men. Woo! But I have to take a break periodically 
um, for my own mental health, my own self-care, because when you pour out, it does deplete you of something. Mm -hmm. You are offering yourself for people to send you messages, to ask you questions. And I love answering them, but there is a time where I have to step back and say, did you take care of yourself today? Or am I even triggered by something? Because the reality is when you're in the infertility journey and you're in the waiting season that your book so beautifully lays out, when you get baby shower invites, first birthday invites, when people are asking me, when are you going to defrost those eggs? Those things are very triggering and you need to be able to take care of yourself in those moments. And one of the things that I just want to say, since we're on this point of self-care, because I don't think we talk about, uh, talk about it enough Mm -hmm. is whenever I'm asked, a question that's triggering. Like, girl, you put 29 eggs away. When are you going to defrost them? We want this baby. Did you ever think about using a sperm donor? Just Or I know somebody that used a friend. 99.9% of the people that ask me those questions are other women. Yeah. Women. Men never ask me a triggering question. They're always like, oh, you froze your eggs. Well, you're going to be a great mama one day. In fact, One of my good friends actually reached out to me on a Mother's Day to tell me, happy Mother's Day. You're going to be a great mom one day. His name is Christian Keys. And he reached out to me to tell me that. And my female friends did not. And so I bring this point up, not to shame anybody, but the people that always ask those triggering questions usually have a baby Mm. or already have children. And so they will never deal with the consequences of the answer of that question. So part of our self-care for ourselves is to either let people know, you know what, that hurts, that triggers me. Just ask me what you can do for me or just pray for me, even on your own, or just speak encouragement to me, but please don't pry. Or, you know, having some reflection in yourself of knowing You don't have to go to that baby shower if it hurts your feelings today. Yeah, You have permission to cry. You have permission to not be okay. You have permission to not always push through Mm. because you want to have a good smile on your face and be the best friend ever. You can actually send a gift and stay home and watch Netflix and take care of yourself. Yeah, I had to learn that from my therapist. She says, control what you can control. Right. You can control going to a baby shower and feeling a certain kind of way. Send a gift. It's not that you're jealous. You might be dealing. You might have had your cycle the day before and you just don't know how to separate the two. So you can truly come in a good place. Right. She said, but you can't control when you get a a, a BF in a big fat negative. You can't control that. So control what you can't control in the spaces that you need to control. When she said that. She gave me a pass and I understood it. Right. No, you first, sis. Like if I present to you my best self because I am truly at my best, then you're going to get the authenticity of who I am instead of me putting on a facade to make you feel better than I'm coming home and still feeling like crap. That's freedom. We're not doing that. I had to learn that. I had to learn that from my therapist. So I'm so glad that you, that you even said that. And the other side of that is like, I almost tripped out when you just said that people just ask you about defrosting your eggs. Cause I didn't even know the levels of uh, the rules of engagement that they already surpassing uh, in the book. So we need to come <laughs> in and say something about that as a rule of engagement. You just don't do it. But you mentioned something that I want to go back to. I had a friend that listened in on you. Uh, it might've been, she was listening in when we did ours, but we, when you were talking about your journey of egg freezing as a black woman, um, as a Christian as well, how did you get to a point, right? Where you, cause we don't talk about it at all as even an option. I mean, so how did you get to that place? Number one of being educated on it. And then number two, what, what got you to a place of peace to walk and go ahead and do that? Oh, that was all prayer. Um, you know, I, I am obedient to what I hear God say to me. And that doesn't mean that I don't question him, 
That doesn't mean that I don't have doubts and fears sometimes, but I always knew even as a young child, something always told me that I would have a child later in life. Hmm. I don't know what that was, Um, but I was always clear on that. When I was in the seven-year relationship that should have ended two after two years, I actually started looking up freezing my eggs then. It was like God and I were having this private conversation outside of the relationship. And I started to do my research, which is something that I would encourage anybody to do that's thinking about it because freezing your eggs is a personal decision. It's a financial decision. It's a spiritual decision and it's an emotional decision. Mm -hmm. And it is, it does take a toll. It's basically the first step of IVF, but I started to do some very light research. And I think that that was my spirit telling me, um, something that I knew back when it's going to happen for you later in life. Mm -hmm. Um, but what propelled me was the end of the relationship. And like I said earlier, realizing I had given away my biology with all of that time and being at peace with it um, was just about a lot of prayer and knowing how God and I communicate. What he says to me is going to be different than what he says to you and how. And I just knew that I could trust him and that I could be obedient. Before I went to the fertility clinic, I prayed and I said, God, if you are telling me this, then it will flow. I believe where God is, blessings flow. There won't be any speed bumps along the way. Like this appointment, will it'll make sense. So because like I told you, within a week, I was already there. I knew this is this has got to be you. And I know now, even though I'm still in a waiting season, the reality is when people do ask me, when are you going to defrost your eggs and all of those things? The reality is, even if I never use one of my eggs that are frozen, they have already served a purpose. Hmm. Because now I am in this space speaking to you, speaking to other women, talking about reproductive health, speaking to men about the infertility space, my eggs are already living their best life through me. My eggs are already blessing my future through me. That is all God. My eggs, I wrote a movie about it and sold it to a major network. And only because of COVID did it get paused. That's where Warrior Wednesdays was born, through my eggs. So they already have a purpose. So should I use them? Maybe one day I will. I still get my AMH levels checked. I just got it checked in February. I know exactly where I'm at. So maybe I won't. It could be adoption. It could be fostering. I just know I'm built for the job of being a mother. Mm. And that is what gives me my peace. Hmm. And in the meantime, before I have a baby in my arms or a child in my arms, I mother in every way that I can, whether it's through my friends, whether it's through, you know, my cousins, I mother in every way that I can nurture and whether it's through the platform of talking about this and hearing from mothers that will say to me in the DM, and I'm sure have said to you as well, wow, I never thought of this. And these are the things that I need to look out for in my child. That's a girl or Mm -hmm you know, be able to educate her about. So I'm mothering constantly and the eggs already have purpose. I love that. And um, there will always be provision and purpose. I'm a firm believer that if you are in purpose, God will provide for you, be it knowledge, be it finances, you know, whatever you need, if it's his will, it will manifest. So I wholeheartedly agree with you there. Let's hop into whoever the person was from two to seven <laughs> years. Okay, let's let's get on a little relationships. Is okay. so why do we stay in relationships like that? Like what what was it that why do we put ourselves through that? Is it is it the dream? Is it the vision? Is it the thought? Is it? T- let's talk about. Okay, first of all, why sit my sister y'all? She stayed with somebody. That's an extra yeah. five years. Let's talk about that because I think some some women need to be freed on being in relationships that are serving them no purpose. Mm. Listen, let me tell you something. I stayed because of my own trauma, hmm. my own disbelief in my worth. I fell in love with a story I told myself about him 
instead of looking of the reality that he was showing me. I believe that, you know, it's interesting. I think we don't trust our instinct and our gut enough as women. And it actually is the gift that God gave us. You know, men may be born with bigger, stronger muscles and they, they can move a car or move a, move a big box, but women are born with this thing called intuition. Honey. And it does not lie. It never lies. And whenever we go against what our first mind tells us about something, mm-hmm. we will suffer. We will suffer. So I'll give you an example. Um, well, in that seven-year relationship, um, I never fully trusted him. And I knew that, but I told myself a story that would make every story, and I put that in air quotes, that he told me believable. I just didn't want to be alone. Mm. I was scared. I wanted a baby. So I wrote the story that he was going to be it. And I was absolutely wrong. And God, because he's so kind and consistent, he doesn't go back on his word. He had, you know, I remember praying once and I heard this in a sermon too, but I remember praying once about like, God, if, if you will just fix this, you know, I will stay. And God, you know, unless you tell me, no, I'm going to just keep sticking it out. And God's like, I never told you. Yes. In the first place. In the first place, sis, he's like, who told you? Yes. I've been told, you no. I dated somebody briefly after that. And, um, and I, and I'm dating somebody great now, but that's neither here nor there, but I dated somebody, (laughs) I dated somebody briefly. And I remember when I talk about these instincts, when we went out, I remember that I thought this person could be an alcoholic because he had a couple of drinks. It didn't seem to affect him right away. I was like, and he really likes to drink. And it was date number one. And I remember my mom called me, well, how did that go? And I said, he was great. He was charming. He was funny. He was handsome. I mean, he could be an alcoholic, but I don't know. I don't know him like that. So I can't make that kind of judgment. Let me tell you, God told me date one. And he tells us all. I said it out of my mouth and I professed it with my tongue, but I chose the experience anyway. So I think the thing about trusting your gut, it's like knocking at a door, right? If I came over to your house right now and knocked on your door, and I've never been there before, we all know that, and I knocked on your door, I trust that there will be a floor for me to walk on. Mm -hmm. I trust that there will be a chair for me to sit in. I trust that you will have a glass of water for me to drink. That's the trusting of what I haven't seen yet. That's God. Now, if I don't trust, now I don't need to, because I trust God, I don't need to see what's on the other side of the door. If God tells you to go through the door, go ahead. If he tells you not to go through the door, you don't need to know why in order to obey what he said. So with the alcoholic, God said, this ain't it, sis. This ain't it. Mm -hmm. And I said, but God, I want to go through the door and experience it anyway. And he said, okay, go right ahead. It's not going to work. Right. I teach you some lessons, but I said, it's not it. So now I trust God at the door. Listen, not at the door. Come on. At the, at the door. First instinct. God, is this the door you want me to walk through? No. Okay. I don't need to find out why God, is this the door you want me to walk through? All right. Yes. Let's go. And let's, let's find out what's going on in here. Okay. But do you believe that there is a yes, no, or wait? Because sometimes I feel like there are seasons where you might not be able to hear very clearly in terms of, of, you know, because I think people show their best selves in dating, right? Because dating is collecting data, collecting information about each other. So the presentation is great. But as you start to unpack, you know, some things and find out, some some things that need healing, some area, because we all need healing. What do you do about when you don't hear the yes or the no? And it's the wait. I, you know, I think I've been in a very, very long extended waiting season and God really had to work on me. And mm-hmm. sometimes I'm a, I'm a know-it-all. Sometimes I think I know more than than God has actually presented to me yet. I love the wait now. 
it it was hard getting into this space and and waiting on the man, waiting on the baby, waiting. You know, I I have this line actually. It's the beginning of the movie. The first line is, "My life is a perpetual state of almost." And mm. everybody, at the network loves that line. Oh, we love the first line. Just kicks in. My life is a perpetual state of almost. And I remember talking to my therapist about it. And he said, that is you speaking to your trauma. That is you not really believing you'll get out of, I almost got the right guy. I almost have a baby. They're just in the freezer. I almost have the movie made. What would you say if you weren't speaking to the trauma? And I said, my life is a manifestation of every promise that God has put in my heart. Mm. And I had to learn how to relanguage myself. So I think sometimes in the wait, God is waiting on us to catch up with letting go of all of the ways, for me, I can say, all of the ways that um, I kept myself stuck. Mm. I think another, another case in waiting, since we were talking about dating is, I fully believe in right person, wrong time. You know, my brother and his wife were engaged when they were in college. They broke up for 10 years and reconnected, married now with two children. I do believe he was, oh, yes, he was always in love with her. And they dated other people. They did the whole thing. But the reality was they were the right people and the wrong time. I think sometimes in our waiting season, it's an invitation to go deeper, Hmm. to go internal and to heal and ask God what he's working on. Am I a defensive person? Do I not do accountability? Well, have I learned how to give grace? That's something I just learned. Listen, I'm over here grown and I just learned. You are not alone. Mine was entitlement feeling that I deserve something from God because of what I put out for him. God was like, let me strip you all the way down on what that looks like. And that is not a true revelation of grace. Grace is God giving you what you You don't deserve. deserve, Baby. And let me tell you, when I gave somebody that I love deeply, that hurt me, when I gave them something that they did not deserve, but my heart had empathy and understood that their actions had nothing to do with me. And because I love them and because I believe God assigned them to my life, because not everybody is your assignment. That's the other thing. Sometimes we take on an assignment, even in dating, that this person is not your assignment, child. So have you prayed about it? Did you ask God, did you send him or her my way? Is this my assignment? Because we will take stuff on that God never delivered. And I prayed about the situation that I'm speaking of now. And I knew this person is part of my, I get it. I get how this person has enhanced my life, taught me so many wonderful things. Mm -hmm. And that what's happening between us now has nothing to do with me. And he and I both need to heal separately. So even though he hurt me, why do I feel so tethered to this Lord? And Lord, the Lord taught me grace in that moment. Give him the things that you think he doesn't deserve because what he hasn't been shown in his life is that he can make a mistake and still be loved. Ooh. And what you haven't learned is that someone can hurt you and you can still act the way I act towards you because God was telling me, you have hurt my feelings. Mm. You have run away from me. Did I ever leave you? Did I ever stop telling you I love you or happy birthday or I'm proud of you or I see you? Did I stop validating you when you hurt me? Mm. And I learned in that moment, okay, I can be bitter and angry and we can elongate this experience or I can simply practice grace. And that, oof, that's that so good. Me. That's so good when you when you really unpack that, because we can tend to think about the feeling, what we feel that you've done to us. And we will start to operate out of, like you said, bitterness or anger or, you know, what that person betrayal. Right. 
Mm-hmm. But there, but in God's grace, I do believe that waiting seasons or uncomfortable seasons are always moments for God to administer and show you grace, right? And I had to start to change my mindset and uh, move in a place of gratitude because I think we sometimes as believers can tend to think that we deserve to get up the next morning, right? Mm-hmm. I remember God dealing with me how presumptuous of you to feel like you're going to be here tomorrow. Right. Right. And that prompted me of a true understanding of grace hitting the floor. As soon as I wake up in the morning to say, thank you, God. Thank you, God, that you have given me another day. You did not have to. And God was like, now I need you to extend that to everybody else. But I tell you that right there, What you just said right there, I think, is the meaning, the meaning of the breath in our body every day Mm. is is to walk with him, talk like him, because that means that the things that are happening, what you think is happening to you, because it's really happening for you, you. even the troubling times, or when you think somebody is doing something to you. It's really an opportunity for God to free you or to show you or to heal. So what you just expressed was being open to whatever God has to bring and knowing that he has given you everything that you need to behave the way he would and the way he does towards Mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. And it took me all of these decades to learn grace because And and I've also learned about the waiting season that when I talk about that seven-year relationship and all of those things, Kelly is not a wife yet because Kelly is not, was not ready to be. It's not always somebody else's fault. If we come out of any situation, I stayed too long. I made Mm -hmm. excuses. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Sometimes we feel like in this weight, like what you said, I deserve something. Well, God, I've been giving you all my time and all my this. I've had to learn to trust his timing for real. Not the quote, not the t-shirt, not the mug. Real life. But for real life, because here's the thing. I could have been married. I've been proposed to before, but those things would have ended up in a full-on divorce. They would not have worked because I didn't have the tools to make them work. But also, even the waiting season for the baby, I thought it was about waiting for a man. Remember I said that earlier, waiting for the relationship and the guy didn't come yet. If I had that baby, I wouldn't be talking to you today. Hmm. If I had a baby, I wouldn't have met all of these warriors. I wouldn't have Warrior Wednesday. What I learned and what I said to one of my warriors on the show was, oh my God, I can't imagine now getting pregnant or adopting a baby without the love and support, the prayers and the celebration from the women that I have met in Mm. these infertility streets. I can't imagine y'all not being a part of that process in my life. Yeah. So my weight now has so much more fruit in it because I'm like, God, who else is supposed to be there when it happens? While I'm waiting, let me gather all of your warriors. Mm. So now I know it's not about me finding the man. It was about me finding y'all. Yeah, that's so that's so good. Even from a sense of we as believers also, we don't like the valley seasons that get us to the mountains. Like we're very we can get very antsy in those in those seasons. But I'm a firm believer, even like you said, God wants all the glory. Look how many people, how many lives. Number one, you're already changing as an advocate. But number two, how he will get the glory and the manifestation of the promises when it does happen. To me, God is 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 much more concerned about who can be saved through the journey, through our waiting season. Like who can be delivered? Who can be uh, restored during our waiting? But here we are, uncomfortable, mad, upset, but swearing we want to be a light for him. Okay, mm-hmm. but we don't want to necessarily grow, go through what it takes to be that light. I'll say it like this. 
early, early, early on in my career, and one of my friends has had to remind me of this, when I really didn't know how I wanted to move or shake in the industry, I was praying this prayer. Forgive me, I can't remember where it's from, but if you Google it, you can find it. An inheritance gained too soon will be lost in the end. And I re- <laughs> you'll jump back. <laughs> it's the truth. And my friend had to remind me in my waiting seasons of frustration. They see it. Do you not remember? This has always been your prayer. You have always prayed that God not give you anything that you were not ready to receive. And so you can get frustrated on this side and forget about what you're praying for. Like, no, God, God is like, no, you, you prayed my prayer. You prayed my word, which was that you did not want to receive anything before it's time because you wanted my full will. You know what I mean? And so sometimes we can get into spaces of frustration in the waiting seasons, but forget when you truly have a heart for God and you have a heart for his people, then you are going through something that is going to bring them on the other side, like Moses through the Red Sea. And that to me is what keeps me clear as I start to captivate those thoughts in my head that tend to come up and rear their ugly head in disappointing seasons, right? So I think even with talking to you or people that are on here, we can just encourage you in that thing, like to know that you haven't missed anything, anything, anything. And the celebration on the other side, be it that job, be it that healing, be it that children, be it that husband, I think that we have to focus on what that's going to look like for the people around us in celebration. That is glory. That is what God wants to see. That is full glory. That's all that he wants to see. And he reveals it to you in time when you really can take it in, when you really Mm -hmm. can praise his name, when you really can give him all the glory, that none of this would happen without God. I don't want a husband without being able to say only God could have brought the two of us together. Together. Mm, Yes. It's coming. I feel it in my Shana now. Oh, girl, I do feel it. Oh, God. Oh, God, we thank you. We thank you. Jesus, I feel it. And, you know, even my mama feels it. You know, it's funny when we were talking about these praying and and all this kind of stuff. My mother is 77 years old and it's a little bit more old school. She grew up in Macon, Georgia and Philly back and forth. And, you know, they didn't pray. She didn't pray for things specifically. Mm-hmm. You know, in the older generations, it's like, I don't know how God's going to fix it, but he's going to fix it. I don't know what it. God's going to do, but he's going to do something. Right. And nowadays, and I'm like, Ma, can you get accurate with the Lord? Can you ask him specifically Listen. what you want? And, and, and because I give myself permission to be all of myself with him. Mm. Whether I'm happy or frustrated, like you said, whether I'm angry, you know, whatever. He knows my heart. He knows where it is. So whether Mm. I say it out of my mouth or not, not. or not, I know he's with me, but I got sometimes I got to get some stuff out. But my mom has been, you know, a beautiful prayer warrior, but she comes from an an older school way of of, God will do it. He'll he'll bring your husband. And, And the other day she was here visiting and um. I was giving her my credit card information. We were ordering some food. And so she was putting it in the in her phone when she was ordering. So she said, name, Kelly, first name. Okay, Stuart is the last name, but not for much longer because God's about to change that. I said, oh, Ooh. and I looked, right? Come on, intentional. Intentional because Kelly is technically, I said, I'm dating, but I'm not, you know, I'm not in a committed relationship, but I'm technically single. And I had never heard my mother make a declaration like that Mm. because it was always more God will do it. But now she was like, it will not be like this much longer because God is about to change it. And there was something so powerful. Yeah. Yeah. For me. So when you, so even when you said, I feel it, I'm like, girl, I feel it too. And let me tell you, he'd be amen in it everywhere. Cause I look for his confirmation and I give myself permission to ask for exactly the desire he's put in my heart. Right. So, so all the warriors on the line, you heard it right here from warrior to warrior. Okay. So we, when she come back, we know she's going to be locked and loaded. So we going to, you see, right. The vision, make it plain over here. Okay. Intentional. So, uh, Mrs. Calais Stewart, fill in the blank. Cause the last name is coming. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's it. talk about, let's talk about, let's, let's segue. We got to segue into, into you being the phenomenal actor, writer, producer that you are. 
like I told my producer, I screamed when I saw you on All American. So we got to talk about what you're doing now, what you got coming up. Tell Do tell the people about Warrior Wednesdays as well, because I do think that is important that they navigate over to you to get information. Um, so, that's, so so let's talk to the people. What we got going on, sis? Because I, 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 I know you're booked and blessed. You're booked and blessed. I'm booked and, and listen, I'm booked and blessed. I actually got booked this week. So yes, you're, you're actually... Very right. I'm going to be doing a show called Paper Girls on Amazon. I'm going to shoot in Chicago. So I'm going to be leaving in about a week or so. I will be back for all. Thank you. Thank you. And I'll be back for um, All American uh, season four, which is filming now. So I will be back as Nurse Joy for that. Um, Movie is still happening. Development takes a long time, y'all. There's so (laughs) many ins and outs and financial this and offers to directors here and now so-and-so is unavailable because they're doing this. There's so many things, but God has blessed me um, to bring my art and my purpose with my eggs to intersect. I think that has been the, the biggest joy of my life so far, to freeze my eggs, to write a movie about it, mm. and for that to be uh, in development and hopefully in production by... Um, if not the end of this year, the beginning of 2022. So it's going to happen. Um, and uh, Warrior Wednesdays, so my IGTV, but also my website, www.warrior-wednesdays.com, which I have to update because I'm a little bit behind, a lot of behind, um, that Miss Dacia was on on hey, IGTV. We had a blast. Is, we had a blast. It's an interactive space. It is a real conversation, very similar to this. Um, where we talk about everything that deals with infertility and Black women's health. I specifically gear Warrior Wednesdays to women of color because we are not in the broader conversation mm-hmm. of fertility. And because we are impacted three times more than um, our white counterparts with underlining conditions because I'm a Black woman, because I now have a doctor that looks like me because I want to speak to women that have experiences like me in the doctor's office because I want it to be a place where we don't have to necessarily be polite, but we can be real and find sisterhood. And actually it has become such a beautiful place that I feel like there's going to be some sort of warrior retreat happening, some sort of warrior vacation. So maybe your warriors and my warriors can all Listen, meet up we on our warriors. We're going to be warrior Island. Okay. Well, I'm here for Island it. I'm here for it. I mean, there's so many of us out here in these fertility streets advocating and, yeah. and pushing for change. We are present. We are here. We are in the space doing yeah. the work. I think that that's uh, a a very uh, poignant point is that that's how I found you too. So that's so funny because, you know, with the Warrior Wednesdays and Women Wives Warriors, I was like, who is this? Who is this? And then I, we, I could see like, oh, we got friends in common. And then I told yeah. my publicists, get on this. Like we, we about to cut up, honey. And um, so I do think that as warriors in general, uh, welcoming people into the space of the conversation and, and taking the bullets, right? On behalf of the journey, on behalf of the war that we're fighting, be it insurance, be it medical doctors, be it just uh, people having a safe place to have conversation. I think you do an exceptionally well job of um, creating a space where it's encouraging, it's inviting, and it's educational. So kudos to you. Tell everybody how they can um, connect with you on social media, um, as well. And is that your merch you got on? Is this you? No, this is actually because we're always in these fertility streets. This is Shaquita Lockley's merch that okay. says my, my eggs, my business. So Shaquita yeah. has the eggs over. Is I know, I know because this needs to be the answer. Like I said, when I'm triggered, these are my eggs in the freezer. They, my business, I'm paying for yes. them every month, not you, but, um, so Shaquita has a movie called uh, Eggs Over Easy that will be premiering on OWN, y'all. And it is a documentary about Black women's health. And I was blessed enough to be in that film. And Phenomenal. Because when, when we talk, it happens. I was doing a movie with Miss Keisha Knight Pulliam, who I love and adore. And I started talking about fertility in the trailer. And she was like, I got a friend that's doing this thing. 
you should do it. And I did. And um, Shaquita is a warrior. She's been on Warrior Wednesdays and now a great friend. So because of that, I do wear my friend's merch to let people know I got my Warrior Wednesdays. This is mine. My Warrior Wednesdays mug there. The merch is available. You know, yes. you or your friends. So, and and we all about promoting Black women in businesses. So, yeah, Absolutely. and doing the thing. And you can find me on Instagram at at kstew two 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 at kstew two two two. It has no meaning except chat. I just wanted to think of something cute when well, it, it came it out. It kind of rhymed. It kind of rhymed, though, sis. It kind of like, rhymed. Like I had no. Like it was before Instagram became what it is. Anyway, at kstew two two two. And Twitter is Pele underscore Stewart. I'm on Facebook, or you can check out warrior-wednesdays with an S.com. And you can look at episodes and blog and all of those things. And it's just been a beautiful experience. But I do have to say before we end this whole thing, I'm so blessed to have met you, friend. I am I remember when your publicist did reach out and I was like, heck to the year. And when you and I talk, cause I, cause I always do a pre-interview just to keep everybody safe to make sure if there's anything that they don't want asked and you, you do the same thing, making sure the safe space is, is there. Um, but I remember you said, I'm going to send you the book. And I was like, uh-uh girl, no. Yeah, you did. I'm, I'm supporting. I'm, I'm supporting. I'm going to purchase my book on Amazon, click and read it cover to cover. You saw the notes in it and everything. I am so proud to know you. I'm honored to witness your journey. Your book is not only informative, but it's so inviting and clever the way that you use games to talk about this thing. It has blessed me. It has confirmed things for me. Mm. It has helped me through my waiting season, the weight of the weight. I am just, I'm so proud of the work that you have done here on this platform. Please continue to do so. And if there's anything I can ever do to hold your hand on your journey or anything to do creatively, just know that I am here. I am here. And I'm a fan. I'm a fan, y'all. I'm a whole Listen, ditto, ditto. It's all orchestrated. (laughs) I'm telling you. Okay. It's all orchestrated. Okay. We rolling out with two things because we like to have a little fun before we get off. Okay. Two things. One, you are on Women Wives Warriors. You are a warrior, hands down. So what we like to ask our guests is what is the meaning of a warrior for you? Like, what is your definition of a warrior? My definition of a warrior is someone that is standing flat footed unapologetically in their truth, whatever Mm. that might be. Mm. It takes a lot of courage to be in your truth, to know your truth, to speak your truth and to stand flat footed in it unapologetically. Mm. And for me, a warrior and those that I have met, they don't apologize for their tears. They don't apologize for their smiles. They don't apologize when they're not doing well. They don't apologize when they're angry. They stand flat-footed in their truth, which takes an immense amount of courage. A lot of people cover up what is real in order to get through the day or in order to deal with a situation, in order to cope. Warriors are done coping. They standing in it. They're done coping. I ain't going to cope. I'm just going to feel it. That's my definition of a warrior. Is a word. Okay. <laughs> you yeah. better say this is a quotable. This is a ponderable. This was amazing. I love that. Hi. Thank you for that. You're welcome. Thank yes. you for asking. <laughs> All right. So, Kelly, when everybody comes on our show, we got to do this game. It's called This or That. Okay. You only got two options be truthful, <laughs> be honest, be real. It's going to start off. It's going to start off real sweet and cute. Then we go get kinky and then we go roll out purposefully. (laughs) All right, here it goes. Here it goes. This or that. This or that. All right, Warriors. Is this or that with Kelly? Let's go. Call me or text me. Oh, call me. Red lip or pink lip? Red lip. Red lip. We all got red lips on. I know too. No makeup or a beat face. Beat face. Okay. Okay. Hills or flats? Flat. French kiss or a peck on the lip? She blush it. <laughs> she blush it. 
<laughs> oh, for a pack. French kiss me, please. He said, get to it, honey. Okay. Yellow bone or dark chocolate? Oh, this is wrong. Let me tell you right now. I, I should not have to choose within the hues of my people. Can I have both? both? Yeah, yeah, you know, I if you don't have a friend, that. I can give it to you. That I can give it to you because some people like beards, no beards. Well, okay, here we go. A yeah. martini or a Long Island? A martini. Okay, you go keep it classy. Okay, send a dirty text or a dirty picture. <laughs> a dirty picture after the martini. I was classy in the restaurant. I'm gonna get freaky later. Come on, Kelly. <laughs> A dirty pick, boo. You can handle it. Yeah. Lord. Okay, y'all. Got we afraid. No hackers out there, okay? <laughs> go see Kelly live and in color on these boys. All right, last, <laughs> one, last one. Last one. We go, we, we curve it. We curve it at the end. Purpose <laughs> or popularity? Purpose. All day. Kelly, <laughs> it was a pleasure to have you on the show, sis. You know, I'm gonna have you back season two. You already know how we do. So we want to say thank you, thank you, thank you for joining us. And we love thank you. you. All right, Warriors, that's it for today. If you liked this episode, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Hit the bell so you get a notification every time we drop a new episode. And for all those that are avid podcasters like myself, be sure to subscribe to the actual podcast. We look forward to you eavesdropping on us next week. But in the meantime, be bold, be brave, and most importantly, be you.